Hi folks, welcome to the Happy Saver podcast. Your friends might not want to talk about their journey with money, but I sure do. I'm Ruth and I'm a blogger on personal finance in New Zealand and in this podcast series I tell the stories of Kiwis and their experiences with the money in their lives. Three kids and an almost paid for house sounds like an impossible dream, but I am pleased to tell you that it is reality for this Wellington couple. But it has not happened by accident, it has taken planning and a lot of time to achieve it. But before I get started, let's just have a quick word from today's sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Superlife Invest. I used to be scared to invest because I didn't understand how I could do it myself, so cash just sat around in my bank account earning very little, but I knew that I was missing out on investment returns by not taking action. Superlife Invest offer a broad range of investment options that make it easy for you to invest, whether it's for the very first time or for seasoned investors. You can pick and mix funds to make up a portfolio or keep it super simple by choosing a managed fund that suits your risk profile. Their fees are low, you can adjust your portfolio at any old time free of charge and keep track of your balance using their awesome mobile app. It is actually really easy to become an investor, you just have to take action and make a start go on, you know you can do it. So jump onto superlife.co.nz to sign up in minutes and download a copy of the product disclosure statement and choose Superlife, which is managed by SmartShares, for your savings and investments. I had a number of people asking me to find a family of more than one or two children to speak with who seemed to have their financial house in order and after putting the invitation out there I heard from Jake. He was more than happy to talk about his journey with his wife Tracy and their three young children and we spoke late on a Sunday night after the kids and Tracy had gone to bed as it was the best time to have an uninterrupted chat. So Jake speaks for Tracy throughout our conversation. They are both Kiwis, but they had to go all the way to London to meet each other while they were each on their OE. Now, Jake worked in IT and Tracy as a nurse. She was working night shifts and many, many hours, but she was earning great money. And while working hard there, Tracy actually saved enough to put down a deposit on the purchase of a rental property back home in New Zealand. And that was to prove a really astute move for when they eventually moved back home together many years later. After living in one of those big DOS houses, they actually moved in together in London and in the beginning they both put money into a flat account and they just split every expense 50-50. But at some point down the track, they just started to combine their incomes into one big pool and they started to pay everything from the same account. And he recalls at some stage that they both became quite intense about monitoring expenses and quizzing each other on every outgoing. And he recalls it became pretty competitive and they were both pretty hard on each other and neither could actually go out and do anything because they were trying to out frugal the other. So they developed two side accounts that they each put $160 into for them to spend during that month. So clearly both of these guys have been quite intentional with their money from an early age and this was one of the first money habits that they formed and they still do it today. All up they lived in England for about seven years and they came back home to Wellington to get married and set up home about nine years ago. On two good incomes for many years, these two were natural savers and when they did return home in 2009, they had a $100,000 deposit to put towards a house. 
The house they purchased was a really great deal as the previous owner had bought it for $500,000, then spent $100,000 on renovations, and then they put it on the market. But unfortunately for the seller, this was around the time of the global financial crisis and there was a huge uncertainty around housing and no one wanted to buy it. So they reluctantly rented it out to students and then they pretty quickly became fed up with that arrangement. Now Jake told me that in the end, the owners just wanted rid of it and he and Tracy were able to purchase it for $500,000, the same price the previous owners paid for it prior to all those renovations. Now Jake and Tracy certainly did well, the previous owners certainly took a huge hit and hearing about this is a reminder to me that the housing market does not always go up. A year later they sold Tracy's rental property in which they had built up some equity and that gave them another $100,000 to put towards their own mortgage and then after owning their own home for about five years they went on to sell it for $620,000 making about $100,000 after paying all these real estate commissions. Now, Jake has done the math here and he says that while they made about $100,000 on each house, at least on paper, when he checks the actual return in his compound interest calculator, got to have one of those, after taking into account interest they pay, the maintenance, the real estate fees, the insurance and the hassle of being a landlord and what have you, they were only getting around 4% per annum. So they would most likely have been better off investing the money in shares instead. He said that the main difference is leverage as they would have been unlikely to borrow money to invest in shares. And this is a really honest look at the numbers as many only see a house bought for $500,000 and then sold for $620,000. They see it as a win but there are so many other costs to that purchase over time that many don't allow for, he said. Now today they live in a house that they purchased for $715,000. And nine years after returning to New Zealand at the ages of 38 and 39, they are almost close to being mortgage-free at long last. Now they are a very busy household with three young girls aged five, three and just six months old. And since buying their first house, they have always tried to live off just one salary, knowing that Tracy may need to take maternity leave at some stage. Unfortunately for them, it took a long time to become pregnant and they had to go down the fertility route and he wanted to offer some insight to others here. Just like people tend not to talk about money, they don't talk about fertility issues either and their advice to others is to talk about it and speak to your doctor straight away as there are options but your chances decrease dramatically as you age. So don't wait, start talking and start saving and get into it ASAP. And even if it turns out there isn't a problem, you'll be in a better position going forward. So that was his advice. Now Tracy, she loves her job and when not on maternity leave, is still working in nursing as an intensive care nurse but also a large part of her role is working as an educator training other nurses and she is also part of the rescue helicopter team where they do patient transfers and after the birth of her first two daughters she took a full year off for each but with her youngest of three girls now at six months old she is considering going back to work part-time quite soon because she is missing her work and she will maybe do one or two shifts a fortnight during the weekends. Now Jake, he works full-time in IT as a solutions architect. Say what? I hear you ask. I had no idea what that was either, but he told me he designs computer networks, systems and applications, and he is now a full-time contractor. He left a permanent role two years ago to work as a contractor, and contract work can sometimes be a bit precarious where you don't necessarily know where the next job is coming from. But in the two years he's been working this way, thankfully he has had no unplanned time off. Now, I was curious to know whether Jake had someone in his life who he can openly talk about money with. 
He said that apart from Tracy, there is no one specifically, but maybe there is also everyone, which sounds a bit cryptic. Now, he will happily talk about it if he is speaking with someone and it comes up in conversation, like he was talking to a guy at work recently about money and he commented that he would be a great Mr. Money Mustache follower. And then they both realised that he already is and they are members of the same online groups like the Kiwi Mustachians Facebook page. And just recently, another opportunity came up to chat about money when his house insurance premiums shot up to $4,500 a year due to them being in a particular suburb of Wellington. And he posted about it on the Kiwi Mustachians Facebook page, which opened up a big debate about it. And I actually remember seeing that debate and I wondered how it had all panned out for him. And he told me that in the end, he used an insurance broker, but due to where the house is located, this has really limited their options with insurers. They ended up with Vero, they adjusted some excesses they would pay, and they got it down to actually $2,600 per year, which actually ended up $350 less than the premiums they were paying prior to this big hike. And they also worked out that the previous insurer owed them a refund of $850. Now, it's not all roses though, because with Vero, it's a month-by-month policy and they have prepaid for a year just to lock in that price. So it's something they're going to have to potentially renegotiate more often than they would like. But talking about it with his wife and the Facebook community and his broker, it sure did help them find the right solution for now. He said that both of them have always been really good with money and they have always been good savers. And I wondered how it was that they got to be this way. Jake remembers saving with his New Zealand Post office account and as he was growing up he used to get $1 a week. Now he could spend 50 cents and he also had to save 50 cents. His parents were trained teachers but they went on to actually run their own business running multi-sport events. Now they were never big income earners and they were never quite sure of what their income would be one month to the next. So would the event they were organising be making money? Would it be a success or not? They never quite knew. And they also didn't work solely for the money either, but for the life it gave them instead. Now, he told me a story about how when he was a teenager, he had been fortunate enough to travel to Europe with his family and then also um, at some point to do a school trip to Japan. Now, he earned air points as he did this. And at the end of his school certificate year, when he was about 15, his dad dropped him off at the airport because he had used all of his points to enter the Koru Lounge and then fly business class to Brisbane for the day. Now he spent the day having a look around and then he flew back home that night. So just a 14 hour or so round trip all up, but what a thing to do when you are only 15. I love his guts for doing that. Now for Tracy, like many of the people I've spoken to, myself included I might add, her parents struggled more to create an income and this sounds like it just really motivated her all the more to succeed. Originally she joined the army to become a medic but after 18 months she realised it would take far too long to get qualified so she left and she went to university instead to speed up the process. After their studies both of them ended up with student loans but they are long gone now as they both paid them back as quickly as they could sending money back home while they were in the UK so they could put that debt chapter behind them. And while at uni, he was able to live at home with his parents, and as long as he passed his courses, his parents agreed to pay for the fees. Plus, he worked a job throughout his study as well, and he also did an interesting thing with his money when he was over in the UK. Once he'd paid off his student loan back in New Zealand, he actually kept sending money back home to help his parents offset their own mortgage and therefore lower the interest they would be paying on their debt. 
Now, when Jake and Tracy returned from the UK, they returned this money to him, about $10,000 in total, so they could then put it towards their own house deposit. Now, parents help their kids out all of the time, so it was really nice to see the opposite occurring for a change. A friend of his recently reminded him of a conversation they had when Jake was about 23. He told his friends that, quote, in 10 years' time, he was going to have enough money to retire. Now, Jake thought that by talking about it and telling people about it, that he would do it, it would be done. And at the time, his salary in New Zealand was $30,000 per year. And his rationale was, if he could save $300,000 with a 10% interest rate of return, he would have enough to retire. But he failed to take into account taxes, living costs, a wife uh, and three children. But I'm still pretty impressed that he even had this thought at such a young age. And although he has not achieved it, I reckon it has really influenced his life nonetheless. And now he does not anticipate ever actually retiring because he enjoys working and he always sees himself working in some capacity. Plus, he has a grandparent who is setting an amazing example. At 91, they still love the job they have and they have no plans of stopping anytime soon. And how awesome is that? Right, let's get into some nuts and bolts. Um, Is it expensive to clothe, house and feed three children? The simple answer is yes, because the more you have, the more you need by way of food, clothes, daycare, etc. He said that something many people with more than one child find out the hard way is that for the first child, you spend a lot more than what you need to because you want everything to be perfect and you don't want secondhand and you buy a lot of things that you think you will need, but you never actually use. So first time parents listen up. If these guys were starting over, he would do it via Trade Me for sure, and he would accept all the hand-me-downs that they were offered. And because they sought fertility treatment, this also cost them money, and they had to plan for this and pay for this without knowing if they would have a successful outcome, and they regularly saved money for years to finance this. Then one day, when they were lucky enough to conceive and then have their first order, there were daycare costs for when Tracy went back to work. Their first daughter went to a centre in Wellington City, close to their home, but when they moved out to a different suburb, there were no spaces available at all of the centres near where they now found themselves living. So when Tracy was pregnant with their second child, they actually ended up getting a nanny in to help them. And they found a nanny through Pauce, and after interviewing a few contenders, they struck it lucky with an older woman who slotted in really well with their family because she was available to come in and help right when they needed her. But I could imagine that it was still very hectic to make sure everyone was being taken care of. Because Jake, he looked after the kids until 8 o'clock in the morning when he headed out the door to work. While Tracy, she worked two to three 12-hour shifts per week, often on weekends, trying to make them coincide with Jake being home. And then Nanny stepped in around these hours. And the cost, he said, was only about $100 more a fortnight than what they were paying for childcare. And the Nanny gave them so much flexibility. For example, if their children were sick and could not attend school or kindy, they were cared for at home and neither of them had to take time off work, although of course they would have done if it had been necessary. Their nanny retired just last year, but it sounded like they found the perfect fit for their family and I think that they're coaxing her out of retirement for a little bit of time here and there still, which is awesome. Another cost he said is that schools and kindies are constantly asking for donations of money and time and he said often finding the time is actually more challenging than just giving money. And he gives Tracy full credit for organising all of the childcare arrangements and also for working out what government assistance for early childcare education the girls between the ages of three and five are actually entitled to. 
When the oldest turned three, she was eligible for up to 20 hours a week, and this has really helped them to reduce their costs. So childcare was a real juggling act, organised by Tracy with both of them minding their children as much as they could, a nanny stepping in to help, and also a grandparent helping out for one day a fortnight. And due to their income being high, they were not eligible for any government support, apart from the 20 hours of early education. Uh, And initially, Tracy going back to work was more about her staying connected with her workplace and staying registered, which was really important to her. But a lot of her salary did go on paying those childcare costs. And I think that's something that many, many parents can relate to. For many years, they drove a cheap runabout car worth $2,000 and they just had one car. But with a family of five, they have more recently upgraded and bought a second car, which is an eight-seater people mover to cart the whanau around. And this was definitely not a new purchase, it was a second-hand car. And what would Jake say to people who have large families and are thinking about how to make the numbers work? He said that the key to getting ahead is knowing what you're earning being smart with that money by knowing what you were spending it on and also planning ahead. They have a combined gross income of about $220,000 per year. But remember that this can be intermittent, so they need to budget for the peaks and troughs here. But they are always looking for an opportunity to increase their incomes and also spend as little as they can. Now, over the years, they have always known pretty much what is coming in and what is going out. But they have noticed a tendency that as they earned more, they spent more also known as lifestyle inflation, right? So he has only actually just started keeping a spreadsheet from late 2017. In it, he is still not tracking each packet of Milo that they buy, but instead keeping track of the bigger figures like debt and net worth. Now, given the New Zealand bonkers housing market, you won't be surprised to hear that the value of their house has increased since they purchased it, at least on paper, and it is now valued at about $845,000. They still have $150,000 remaining on their mortgage with BNZ and they managed to negotiate um, 0.55 off the floating rate, which is great. Uh, But they also have $140,000 of savings offset against it. So in effect, they are only paying interest on $10,000 of this loan. Now, me being me, (laughs) I had to ask the question, why the offset? Why not just pay this sucker off? Well, because he is a contractor and his job lacks a bit of security, if he takes a day off, it's an unpaid day. And because Tracy is still enjoying being a stay-at-home mum for the moment, the mortgage arrangement, they say, gives them access to cash should they need it, which I can understand. Now, I remember when we got this close to being mortgage-free, it was a bit nerve-wracking paying off the last amount and having no debt, but also no savings as a buffer. So I can understand why they set it up that way. Now, Jake might have a very simple spreadsheet, but he does have a very complex bank account structure. Now, I'm not sure if he takes a prize for the person I've interviewed with the most bank accounts, but I think he is pretty close. So here goes a big long list coming right up. Now, they have a day-to-day checking account. They have a credit card pending account where all purchases are made on a credit card, which is a BNZ Platinum, with cashback, so for every $75 they spend, they get $1 back and they pay it off in full each month, of course. They have a general savings account. Tracy and Jake each have their own savings account. Now, there are three more savings accounts, one for each daughter. He said there were two loan accounts and they use these as their offset accounts against their mortgage. They have a fertility money account where they save to raise money for each pregnancy. He also has what he referred to as his fake KiwiSaver account where he saves money and that is also offset against the mortgage until he finds something to invest it in. There is a business account where his income goes into it and he pays himself from this account. 
Now, there is also a tax account where he skims off tax from his earnings and he holds them here for when his tax is due. And then finally, he has a business check account and a business savings account. Oh my goodness, did you catch all of that? Um, Pretty much all of these accounts are offset against their mortgage, so none of these accounts earn interest, but they do reduce the interest they have to pay on their mortgage. And hearing all this, I just had to laugh to myself, when do we get so far away from just having a check and a savings account? Now, both of their KiwiSavers are with Superlife Life Stages, and as they get older, the allocation of the fund changes and the level of the risk lowers as they get older. Now, they changed to this provider back in September last year, 2017, having spent the previous years in a default fund. Now, for the record, you don't want to remain in a default fund because you will be missing out on returns. That's a guarantee. He always meant to change away from a default, but it was kind of in the too hard basket. They have about $130,000 combined already tucked away for when they turn 65 in their KiwiSaver accounts, which is an excellent achievement, particularly seeing that they both lingered in a default fund for so long. Now, because they've worked overseas, they also have pensions still in place, a total of four. Tracy uh, has one in Australia where she worked for just a short time, and they actually have no idea of the balance of that. And also between them, they have three in the UK with a combined balance of about $23,000. Now, Kiwis, we are a very transient bunch, and there must be so much idle money sitting in other countries. And via my blog, I actually get a lot of questions about overseas pensions. And speaking personally, I used to have an Australian one due to years spent working over there. And I actually pulled it over to my New Zealand KiwiSaver a couple of years ago. I find it's just much easier to have it all in one spot. And the paperwork was actually really simple to complete to get it over here too. Their two older girls are with KiwiSaver and he signed them up at the same time. And they both received the government kickstart of $1,000. One month after he signed them up, they actually scrapped this bonus, so they were super lucky to get it. Each child was also fortunate enough to receive $1,000 from their grandparents when they were born, and this is in one of the accounts listed, uh, and is used, you guessed it, to offset their mortgage. So there is just one daughter without a KiwiSaver, and Jake was waiting to see if the government would reinstate that $1,000 on sign-up, but I think you might have to wait quite a long time there, Jake. But he has another plan for the approximately $1,000 that remains in the fertility account. That money might be the kickstart for their third baby. And their girls don't know it yet, but once a year, their lovely parents put $520 into their bank account as a way of planning for the future ahead. So coming back to their mortgage, is it their intention to actually pay it off? Well, the answer is, of course, yes, and they are working their way towards that. But there were thoughts of buying another property to rent out and they have even gone so far as to take a look at a few places and even to put in some offers. But since looking at the numbers behind the properties they have already owned, they are now over the thought of rental property. And more recently, um, discovering the likes of index funds as an investment, they've really gone off the idea of a second property. And if they start to steadily invest here instead, they will earn the same or most probably a better outcome without the hassle of tenants, is their thinking. When I asked what was their biggest financial triumph to date, he did reluctantly say it was the houses they've been involved with because that has been their focus for so many years, paying down debt on them, which means that they don't have much else in terms of assets. And although they earned a small income off the rental and no income off the house um, that they lived in, when they sold them, they did make some capital gains. And he has dabbled in share investing too when he bought shares in a company he used to work for. He put in $22,000. The company was bought by Spark later on and he said he doubled his money in a year. 
He regrets that he didn't invest more, but that's hindsight for you. And he has since used this money to upgrade the car to the people mover. And what about if I were to give him $10,000 right now, what would they do with it? Well, he would put it straight on the $10,000 left owing on their mortgage. They might treat themselves to a nice meal and a few drinks out, but they believe that just because they have it, it does not mean they should spend it. They do not impulse purchase, but instead they plan what they spend their money on. And what about their greatest financial flop? You know, we've all got one. Well, when living in the UK, he invested about $20,000 in some shares and they had the potential to earn a lot. And at one stage before the global financial crisis, they were worth about $100,000. But today, unfortunately, they are worthless. But the win and losses he had with buying individual shares has probably taught him a really good lesson. Buying individual companies carries a high amount of risk, hence his interest today in buying into an index fund and spreading your risk over, you know, 20, 50 or even 500 companies. And it's a far safer way to go about investing. And is there any room in their budget for extravagance, I wondered? Well, the most extravagant thing they've purchased for the girls in the last 90 days has been $200 spent on transporting a free piano to their house. So their place, I would imagine, is always very busy and it's about to get extremely noisy too with three little people trying to learn piano. Now Tracy enjoyed a recent trip over the hill to Martinborough with friends and Jake is actually about to take a trip to San Francisco to attend a conference, which sounds pretty amazing. And both of them love travel and he has had a goal for a very long time to travel to as many countries as his age. So he is currently 38, but he has already been to over 40 countries, but he needs to keep his tally up. And they both turn 40 next year and are planning a trip with the whole family, but are trying to work out where they can go that is just an easy three to four hour flight away. Tracy is actually a runner. Actually, on the day that um, we spoke, she had just completed a 10K race and Jake has taken up running more recently. So there are thoughts of combining a holiday with a half or a whole marathon somewhere as well. So there's a lot of planning and saving to be done yet before they set anything in concrete. And I did wonder that saying I just spoke to Jake, is Tracy hearing for the very first time that she might have to go on a holiday and go for a half marathon or a full marathon run? And if he could retain all of the knowledge he has today regarding money and he could go back to his 15-year-old self and start again, what would he do, whether it be the same or something quite different? Well, he said he would do exactly the same, which I thought was a pretty good idea. He seems to have had a really interesting life so far and it seems to be panning out quite well, don't you think? And what would his money elevator pitch be, a sentence that would sum up his approach to money? He said, know where your money is going. Understand what you are spending money on, what you earn and what your intentions are. Once you do that and you know the basics, you can do more exciting things like investing and optimising the money that does come in. And what does Jake think the biggest hurdle to becoming financially independent is? Well, he said it takes a very long time. They are almost mortgage-free, but it has taken a long time and it really all started back when they were living in the UK and they started saving while working really hard on getting good careers off the ground. But now they are thinking, right, we've covered the accommodation side of things and now we need to earn money to invest and save for our futures. And it takes a really long time to accumulate. So slow and steady will win the race, but there are no get-rich-quick schemes to get you there. It just takes persistence and patience and intentionality. And coming back round to their kids again, their oldest daughter is starting to take an interest in money and she collects any of the coins that are left lying around the house and she pops these into her own little piggy bank. And like most little kids, she loves holding on to any cash, any physical cash, but he is trying to teach her about compound interest by taking that money away to the bank 
and bringing her back double. So that's 100% interest, which would be a nice investment if you can find it, right? At the moment, his oldest daughter is struggling to see how that works out because little kids do love holding money, but it's all these little conversations that build on their knowledge. She really actually wanted to run a lemonade stand, which they did, and together they made a wee stall, they painted the signs, they set up the cups, they made the lemonade, and he went and knocked on all of the neighbours' doors, and they came out and they supported her, and they bought it off her for 10 cents a cup, and how adorable is that? Now she sold out pretty quick and she made $1.30, which she was absolutely delighted with, and the fact that mum and dad spent $8 on lemons is completely irrelevant, because the whole project was driven by her, she was fully involved, she loved it, and she had a really fun experience and she made a little bit of cash. And that's an awesome education for kids and $8 well spent from the parents. He said that so much kids stuff is dirt cheap and plastic and he hates it, but the kids love it, of course. They get given so much stuff and he is more focused on not accumulating stuff, but it is an uphill battle with three kids in the house, that's for sure. And they try not to buy much stuff themselves and they keep their cost for running the house really low. Uh, recently they changed their energy provider to a company called Flick in an effort to reduce the size of their power bill and they are living in a house built in the 1930s which is heated with both a wood burner and a heat pump so they are always looking for ways to keep it warm cheaply. Now they don't track their grocery bills in detail and they are using my food bag at the moment which he loves and hates in turn. He thinks it is expensive for what it is but it does make them eat better which is really important. Since having three kids, they have found the need to be much more organised. They often make a double portion of food that they do cook so that they can freeze any leftovers and they can pull them out when they don't have time to cook or they just can't be bothered. And he said that the slow cooker is really awesome for this. And they also recently bought an upright freezer uh, for these meals and for stocking up on food when it's on sale. And why the upright freezer? Uh, He said that so they can easily see what is in there. Now they also grow a few things in their own garden and the kids love picking strawberries and peas but the biggest money saver he said would be actually planting herbs which they might only use occasionally but are really easy to grow like rosemary and mint and parsley and spring onions and that sort of thing and they are also trying their hands with a few fruit trees like lemons, grapes and fajoas and plums. He said they're having limited success so far but like debt repayment and investing these things do take time. So how much uh, does he engage in his financial education now and what book or podcast or blog does he recommend to you and I? And I'll link to these in my show notes at thehappysaver.com. Now, he does not read too much, but Mr Money Mustache has written a number of blog posts that he has liked and he finds them really easy to read and they make a lot of sense to him. Tracy, she's not so interested, but I'm sure he shares the highlights with her. He likes Go Curry Cracker because they were living and travelling with a family and he also likes Choosify, Freakonomics, Planet Money, Cooking the Books and The Mad Scientist. He listens to audiobooks for free from his local library, plus he liked reading The $100 Startup by Chris Gillibo and The 4-Hour Work Week by Tim Ferriss. Now he is interested in financial independence but As I know, finding information in a New Zealand context is quite limited and a lot of things he reads from overseas are just not relevant to us here in New Zealand. Um, And we seem not to have the same depth of knowledge, especially when you look at the likes of Mr Money Mustache and his way of thinking. There's just a different focus here from overseas. But he is forever looking and um, when he finds a good read, he enjoys reading it. So, wow, that was a lot of information to take in, particularly the quantity of bank accounts but before I wrap up I have another quick message from today's sponsor now they help me bring you this podcast for nothing which is the exact amount of money Jake likes to spend on crappy plastic toys for his girls 
A huge thank you to Superlife Invest for helping me bring this episode to you today. Remember that Superlife, which is managed by SmartShares, is your home for savings and investments, offering both low fees and a broad range of investment options to choose from. Visit superlife.co.nz to download a copy of the product disclosure statement and sign up to Superlife Invest. A huge thanks to Jake for taking the time out late on a Sunday night to tell me all about his family and their financial life. It was a shame I didn't get to speak to Tracy, but after running around after three young kids all day and having completed a 10k race, I should point out, I can fully appreciate that they needed their sleep and so did she. And I'm sure that Jake represented you really well, Tracy. Now, both in their late 30s and with three young kids that they put a lot of emotional, physical and financial effort into bringing into the world, I could visualise the chaos in the morning as everyone gets ready for their day. And now they almost own their own house outright and this has been an achievement a very long time in the making. As individuals and then as a couple, they've made some really key strategic decisions along the way. She embarked on a career in the military but then got out as she realised that for her, the timeframes to qualify were just too long and she wanted to succeed more quickly. Now he lived at home while he studied, which is a great idea. Both cleared their student loans as soon as they began to earn money. And then when that debt was gone, they started to save for a future house, starting with a rental property, which they later cashed up to concentrate on their primary residence. Front of mind is always the ability to earn more and this has allowed them to have some flexibility about how they work and they are careful with the money they do make. They have some luxuries in life but every expense is planned out in advance so that money is not just frittered away. And it seems to me that this intentional earning over a long period of time, it's what got them to this point and I have no doubt that it will make them more comfortable in the future too. And finally, I wish Jake every success in keeping the accumulation of toys to a minimum as well. Uh, Good luck with that one. You're really going to need it. That's all from me this week. I'll be back next Wednesday with another money journey of another Kiwi. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please hit subscribe and it will automatically update in your podcast app each time I release a new episode. And if you want to get in touch, you can find me at thehappysaver.com and I would love it if you could give me a five-star review in iTunes and share it with your friends. Those are the best ways that people can learn about my podcast and I would also love it if you would talk more about money with your own friends and help me continue to help others be better with money. So until next time, happy saving.